the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Welcome to Dreams Not Memes Podcast. Hello everyone, this is another episode of Dreams Not Memes. I'm here with my friend Gilberto, who is based in Hague, Netherlands, and is originally from Curaçao in the Caribbean. And today we're going to talk to Gilberto about a lot of his work. How's it going? I'm doing well, actually. The sun is shining, the grass is green, which is not always the case for the Netherlands. I mean, this past week has been crazy. Like, there was snow, sleet, hail, sun, and rain, all in the span of 10 minutes every day. Just crazy. So I'm good. I'm good. Today it's sunny. I'm I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, when it, like, precipitates for many days, it gets really hard to be motivated. So I feel that. I feel that. So can you tell me a little bit about your work and what you do? Well, I work in the semi-political space. That's what I would call it. Um, So I work with NGOs. I work on human rights, social justice. I do activism. But I also consult on the future of work and on innovation and um, democracy. And uh, yeah, I, I, I lead on, on, on multiple levels within my community. So I, I'm a global shaper for the World Economic Forum. I'm also connected to some organizations back in Curacao where I'm a project lead on innovation um, and the future of work. Gotcha. And gotcha. inclusion. True, true. And I mean, can you tell me a little bit about what that means to you about the future of work and inclusion and what does that look like for you? I mean, for me, everything is about a just transition. So I think I think justice and and equity is at the foundation of what I do. Like, how do you create a world um, where everybody not only feels at home, but has the ability to reach and create their full potential? I think I think that is the ideal of of what it means to be. And you know, you know, because we we tend to live in a society where work has often been. You know, it's something that everybody is supposed to do, but it's not necessarily meaningful. You know, it's like, uh, you just have to have a job because you have to have a job. But is your job also an extension of who you want to be, of who mm. you are? And, and there is a society that is dependent on a large swath of people um, working jobs that are meaningless, that are draining and that are destructive towards their own health, but also um, dehumanizing. And, and, and it does not really fill the full potential of who they want to be. You know, if you're working in a factory every day, of course, it'll pay the bills. But when you were a child, is that what you wanted to be? When I grow up, I want to work on an assembly line. I'm not sure that's the case. True. And... I, I completely get what you're saying, because like your work is either something that you do every day and you could feel like, like using the words, the semi-line, you're just part of a supply chain um, and just part of a system that continues to grow and grow and grow and consume, consume, consume. But what does that really mean for you, the individual? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's one of the most important things, you know, everything is interconnected. Everything is interconnected. And in that sense, you know, our work is also connected to who we are. I mean, and not just work in the sense of, oh my gosh, yes, you have to work so you can survive. Because I think as a planet, um, we're way beyond that. You true. know, nobody actually has to work to survive. We have more than enough. True, true, true. And, and you're, you're completely right about that, especially when speaking about like the world's billionaires and how 
they uh they're, they're resource hoarders like without without lack of a better word so yeah. i completely get that so can you tell me a little bit about what is it in your life that led you to getting involved in this topic and, and work I mean, I mean, it's 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 kind of interconnected with everything. So I've I've always been a political junkie. So even back when I was in elementary school, you know, I was like ten or something, and and we would have uh, major constitutional changes in my home country of Curacao, and then I would be discussing with the teachers in front of the class about um, a referendum and about autonomy, about about um, self governance. So so it started very very young. Um, mm-hmm. And when I went to middle school and to high school, I became involved in the student council and I started, um, you know, working on projects there, ultimately led up to even getting meetings with the ministers of education on a project that we were doing. Um, And it only escalated from there. Um, In 2013, I graduated high school and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so I decided to take a gap year. I was like, okay, you know, we're just going to stay here and then we're going to read. Like I read so many books. I read like hundreds of books, which was just crazy. And it pushed me also to take a step back and to reflect, what do I want to be? You know, what is my purpose in life? And I always like to say, I create the conditions that allow others to change and become better. That is my purpose. And, and when I when I paid attention to that, I was like, what do I want to do? And I decided I want to work in the political space. Um, so I decided to go to the Netherlands to study public administration. And doing public administration, it really um, pushed me because I, I came into the, the city of the, the Hague and the city of the Hague is the international city of peace and justice. Mm-hmm. So the International Court of Justice is here, but the Dutch government is also here and and many, many international NGOs and organizations. So I decided to go study at the University of Leiden, which has a campus in the city. And doing so, it really opened my eyes and, and my myself up to a lot of opportunities that to make a difference. And it started basically with, with just a bit of um, supporting undocumented migrants mm-hmm. um, in the city. So I worked for an organization that was called the World House. And doing so, I really got more in touch with actual policy issues and how it impacts the lives of people. And and for example, undocumented migrants aren't allowed to work in the Netherlands. It's really, really hard. It's actually very, very um, rough for them in Europe, but especially in the Netherlands where we have a very strong state. Next to that, I think it was in that period, a few years afterwards, that I launched my own startup helping um, refugees by bringing Dutch people and refugees together through food by creating um, a, a pop-up restaurant. And we participated, that was a school project, a university project. And we ended up winning like an award from the city council um, here in the city. So that was super cool. Ultimately, I didn't continue with that, but then I did run for my university office because we have like a university elections and I ended up becoming um, one of the council members and within my um, faculty. Um, and then I ended up becoming the president of one of the university parties because we have like a party structure. And that, that again opened so many doors. I ended up actually running for office here in the city. So, so for the municipal elections, um, we launched our own political party and, and I, I got to lead that campaign and I was the number one candidate um, for, within that party. 
And it was such an interesting experience because we didn't like it's such a short period of time. We just started from nothing and we're like, okay, it's three months before the elections. Do you want to run? And I was like, sure, let's do that. And it was, it's like being baptized into the unknown. Mm-hmm. I, I completely feel that. And let's, let's learn more about this unknown that you've explored in your career on the next half of this podcast. Yeah. Quick message. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Dreams.Memes. Please make sure to follow Dreams.Memes podcast on your preferred streaming channel or on Instagram at Dreams.Memes podcast. To support Dreams.Memes podcast, feel free to contact me at adaywithoutlove at gmail.com for advertising or sponsorship opportunities. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, now we're back. So can you tell me a little bit about, you know, navigating the unknown and how you've been able to advocate and work in the political space when wanting so many things that are being talked about in in the workplace on a global level, but still haven't exactly been adapted. And what I mean by that is like, a lot of people are doing things around, you know, empathizing and humanizing the workspace, uh, mm-hmm. workplace. Like, for example, uh, a friend of mine named Kaya Lindsay runs a podcast called Warmly Pod. And her mm-hmm. podcast is about, like, making conversations about vulnerability go to the front. As a HR professional, she really values and advocates for, you know, making the workplace more empathetic. You know, you two should definitely talk. Uh, I could feel free to do an intro. If yeah, like sure. That. that seems cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, essentially, what is it like for you to navigate in your space when trying to get other people to buy in to, like, this concept? I mean, I mean, again, it it, it, it does start, again, with justice. It starts with about this idea that um, which type of workspace do you want to work in? Mm-hmm. And, and, and which type of system and how, how do you contribute? Which type of system are you building with the policies that you have? True. Uh, and, and and often, and, and, I, and I always like to bring it on an individual level because it is about self-reflection. Mm. It is about self-reflection and humility. If you have self-reflection and if you have humility and you have the courage to, to turn that humility and that self-reflection into action, you can do anything. Um, and, and often organizations don't have the courage because there is this inherent fear that if I do this, I will fail. If I do this, then I will not exist anymore. If I do this, um, you know, the competition will get the best of me. And I think it, it requires that you have courage and confidence in also what you have to bring as an organization, but also the individuals that work for you and, and, and are on a political level, the individuals that live in your city, the individuals that live in your country. Do I have faith in the potential that they have that if we take another direction if we if we are transparent and we're open and we um, invite people on this journey that they will answer mm-hmm. um, and 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 that that's the same thing in corporate you know um, will people answer will will they answer do I create the environment that allows people to answer and that that sees them as full individuals and not just, you know, um, corporate cogs that are working only to serve a, a glorious idea of 
um, total, you know, just just continuous profit to till infinity and beyond. D- what do we want? True, true. No, that's completely real. And like, not to be cliche, but and I'm only saying cliche just because of the time uh, that we're in. Do you think COVID has allowed, you know, DEI and other professionals to start questioning how do we empathize more with employees on all levels? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, in the sense that, um, I mean, it's inevitable now. You have to see it. Um, we used to live in a world where you could ignore the darkness. Mm. You could ignore um, people's pain, people's struggles, because I can't see it. And therefore, it doesn't exist. I always like to say 2020 was 2020 vision. You mm. saw clearly what is going on. You saw clearly um, what was hurting people. But seeing something clearly does not mean that we actually did something. True. You know, you know, it's nice to post like something on social media or invite someone to let's talk about feelings. That's great. It's important. It's necessary. It's needed even. But um, how does it connect to vacation time? How does it connect to parental leave? How does it connect to flexible work? How does True. it connect to, you know, you know, like, like profit sharing with the community that you live in um, until we and and. and that's a core question, you know. The economic system um, obviously is not functioning. I, I mean, we see the fruits. We, we see the fruits of it, right? The, the dramatic inequality in the world, the injustice everywhere, uh, racism, etc., colonialism, climate change. Even COVID is a is a, is a, is a response um, towards our disconnected way of living, True. right? And 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 recognizing that, you know. It means that we have to do something way different, way out of the outfield. And organizations, um, obviously, they can't do it alone. Um, there is a need for a larger conversation that involves societal partners on a political level, but also on a community level. Yet, um, it's not being done. It's not being done. I mean, I mean, there are certain initiatives that are coming called, for example, the Great Reset. Um, I'm a member of the Global Shapers of the World Economic Forum myself. So there's some conversations that are being done. Um, at the same time, they're not enough. They're not sure. enough because they center um, corporate capital, you know, the corporate yeah, capitalist shareholders, the shareholders. That's, that's what they center. And I'm not saying that all of them are bad people, but they don't know because sure. they don't feel. And they don't feel even even when they see it, they cannot feel because they cannot understand what it is like to have to serve and function in a world where where all of your generational traumas and the societal injustices are all weaponized against you. That that that's so 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 true. Because like, it's almost like uh, the marketing of activism. Like th- Tank last year, for example. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know. Last year, a lot of unrest occurred that was racially driven, right? And a lot of companies started saying, like, we care about you black people, this, that, and third. But it was also, like, marketing in the interest of their shareholding, stakeholders and shareholder value, as opposed to taking, like, real and actual change. So I loved how well, like, you you articulated that. Yeah, I mean, they call call that economic and capitalist realism. Where, yeah. you know, we know it's bad. You know, we see it's bad. And that's why we have to do these things. But it'll always only be performative. 
And it's not that the people's intentions are bad. Um, because because I think we we tend to focus only and solely on specific intentions, which I think is problematic because um, I think most people in general want to do good. Or at least they have the idea that they are doing good. But to be critical of yourself in a way that is loving, in a way that is holds yourself accountable, but also holds yourself holds others accountable um, is necessary to go to the next step, you know, and it doesn't mean that we have to be mean or that we have to break everybody down, but it does mean, you know, you know, what does, what, what, what do your policies actually mean for people of color? You know, I mean, in the U S for example, um, what's the word? redlining was a thing, you know, redlining um, sometimes still is a thing. And the, how, the way communities are built, um, which industries benefit? I, look, like if oil industries, you know, want to build a pipeline and cross it over into Native um, American communities, that's shady. True. You know, but, oh, yeah, Black Lives Matter. But it doesn't matter when it affects our pockets or, or, or when it impacts in the indigenous communities that have been held down for years. You know, like, we got to get our money. True, true. Yeah, and I mean... And it's and it's rooted in like gentrification and, and colonialism, and I've had a lot of conversations about like how that's been affected in America and out of America, and like hold on, there's a uh, siren. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great sound effect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, given the timing of what we're discussing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is, it is, I just it is. didn't want to keep talking, and everyone's like, "Wow, this is getting dark." But anyways. Um, <laughs> No, it, it, it's truly rooted in colonialism and and uh, and and um, gentrification because, like, you know, a lot of activists are saying things like, you know, I am from Philadelphia, but I am on Algonquin land, or I'm on Lenape land, and I'm from South Jersey, and like, while that's cool that you're recognizing that and owning it as a partial Native American. I always say, so what are you going to do about it? You know, and, and, and we really need to talk about, like, how your empathy does not always match your action and your value for vulnerability doesn't always value yeah. the way that you're going to interact with people because I think we like to say these things, but we have to actually do something about it instead of, like, playing the actor and things like that, so... Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're spot on on that. Sometimes we're too woke for our own good. And, and what I mean with that specifically is that we love to speak all of the right things, you know, but we don't do all of the right things. And then and then we we have like this whole list of things that we were saying that we need to do and then we do zero. While maybe if you only focus on the 10 things that you could do, you know, yeah. the impact will be so much bigger than just saying everything. And that doesn't mean that all of those other things aren't relevant or needed or not needed. But what can you focus on? You know, what what do you care about in this moment that you can make a difference in? And and you can elevate the voices of those who who have the time and the urgency and the power to make a change in another area. You know, we center ourselves as individuals so much in these discussions that, oh yeah, I, I do this and I do that. Uh, or or I would say, I say this and I say that, but do I really mean it? Eh, do I do I even have the ability to mean it? True. No, and that's that's completely real. And like with that being said, like, what do you think the future of work looks like, whether that's on a corporate or political perspective? Like, is it one where, 
organizational leaders say what they mean instead of trying to create like this like covered up things where they don't do or say what they mean? I mean, there's, I think there is a battle right now happening behind the scenes between authenticity and performativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, performativity isn't always bad, you know? Um, I mean, look at Trump, for example. Trump, it was his authentic self. Mm-hmm. And his authentic self is toxic. <laughs> so, so, so authentic does not mean great. You know, you can be authentically a horrible person. You can be authentically the worst part, the worst version of yourself. Um, we need to be authentically the best version of ourselves. And there's a battle because a lot of people are fearful. Um, and and our society that we live in is very is sensitive right now. And and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but also not necessarily a good thing, right? Like I think I think there is this conversation to also be had about how we hold people accountable. Um, so, 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 and I dislike the word cancel culture because I think it's problematic in and of itself because it's always existed. You know, canceling has always existed, especially for people that have power. They could always cancel the poor people. They could always cancel uh, people with less economic or, or racial opportunity. However, um, what, what we have now is a democratization of that. And, and that's, Good on the one hand because it means that power is being is being shared by more mm-hmm. and more people. The negative side, though, is that because it is often performative, it is not done with accountability and humility. You know, am I doing what I'm why I'm demanding this other person to do? Right? Like sometimes we 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 want to go guns blazing out, and sometimes it's needed for the record, but. Am I also guilty of what I'm accusing this person of? Often, that answer is yes. I'm also guilty of being problematic. I'm also guilty of, of doing all of those random things that I don't want this random celebrity to have done. If you go look back in your history and you and you, you go see all the problematic stuff you said or you've done, you'd be like, oopsies, um, I hope it doesn't get online. Um, so, so, so how do we hold people accountable with grace? Um, and, and, and to come back to your question, you know, that also means that corporations have to, and, and politics in general has to come and realize, you know, that we have to hold ourselves accountable with grace. Um, and accountability with grace does not mean injustice. You know, grace does not mean that um, there will not be a, a reckoning when you do something that is wrong and you do it unapologetically, but there always has to be space to grow and to ask for forgiveness and to try again and to not forever be a paria of the state or a paria of, of the corporate world, because you said something 15 years ago. I mean, you, you're in the state, so you know what happened to that person, um, an editor at Teen Vogue. Um, there was, a, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a whole drama. And I mean, like, she apologized a few years back, but there is this culture of harshness and puritanism, which is very, very interesting because it's very, very European. Um, and it's 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 so cool. Oh, well, so cool. I would say it's so weird how even in our activism, white supremacist standards are now taking the role because purit- puritanism is very much one of the core tenets of the U.S. colonization, 
The creation of the United States goes hand in hand with puritanical standards that were imposed on them by um, people that came from the Mayflow, which funnily enough, came from the Netherlands. Um, and now we're grabbing those standards and we're using it to hold people accountable. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What do you feel about this? I'm curious. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you asked me. So I think from a mission level, I would like to see business, whether that means political business, whether that means nonprofit, et cetera, et cetera, act on their mission as opposed to profit. Because I, I truly believe the biggest distortion of capitalism and consumerism is we don't act based on how we feel or what we value. We act based on what's going to let us survive yeah, or, yeah. or how much something costs. Because, like, how many friendships did you end because that person didn't have enough money to do what you wanted do or how many relationships ended because you know that person didn't have enough money you know to pay the bills or whatever uh, or they had too much you know um how many times did a job fire a person because they weren't making the company money versus mm. we have the resources to change the role to maintain your employment here you know there are times where you're going to lose a job because the job can't give you the resources needed yeah that's that's a different topic, but yeah. when we tie, you know, everything to money and it distorts the value of a person, that's when we really destroy our understanding of relationships with people on a personal as well as a political as well as a corporate professional level. And I truly think the the future of work should look like how can we use our resources, knowledge, skills, abilities, and competencies to make each other better and break down those vulnerabilities, yeah. be empathetic and, and things like that. So that's that's how I view the world. Yeah. And, and given your work, I, I wanted to hear that. So. No, that's powerful. That's powerful. I mean, I always say the future of work is basically just the future of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, because because I don't I don't see the separation right I think I think the separation sometimes it's like oh no now we're speaking about work and then tomorrow we'll be speaking about climate um, and, and then the day afterwards we'll be speaking about race um, it's all interconnected as I said at the beginning because um, the way that we deal with people that work within our communities is the way that we deal with the planet True. you know it is it is I mean I mean what we're seeing right now with the climate collapse. I mean, the, the, the global crisis, you know, that is going to increase so badly, it's going to become worse, is the same way of thinking that has caused colonialism. It's the same sure. way of thinking that is ingrained in um, um, capitalist um, discourse and, and white supremacy. You know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It, 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 all, it all comes at the foundation. What is my relationship with myself? And what is my relationship with my community? What is our relationship with ourselves? And as you said, you know, it's about money. Yeah. You know, we value things, um, you know, consumerism, materialism, egotism. Um, we value we value a lot of these things so much higher than we value well-being, than we value um, to 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 you know coherence that we value. Um, justice that we then, then we value even just 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 being um whole being holistic being full 
We don't have that in our society, especially not in Western society, which is why we're collapsing, which is why the pandemic has gone horribly wrong because it was not a technological issue. If we had the, and, and I like to say this, we as human beings have grown incredibly on the levels of technology and cap capital and um, you know a lot of knowledge, but wisdom is has not grown. You know, social understanding and empathy has not grown. Um, our moral discourse and logical understanding of ourselves and how we care about others. You know, you know the the EQ, the emotional intelligence of people has not grown, and that tells you one of the core issues with our society is that. We've only been focusing on what we can see, what we can feel, hear, touch, and not on what is unseen. Um, you know, you know what is unseen so often has so much more power than what is seen than what is visible, and we don't pay attention to that. True. COVID, COVID is literally that, right? Like it was unseen. It was unseen. We didn't see it. Oh no, it's just a, it's a myth or whatever. It's it's a hoax. And then suddenly, you start seeing it. Suddenly, suddenly, now it impacts you because what you ignore, what you repress, it will come back to haunt you. Um, and then if you don't choose to see your shadow, your shadow will grow until it consumes you, which is what it almost did, which is what is what it is doing in some countries. And it's the same thing with our with our work environment here in the Netherlands right now. Tons of burnouts. Everybody's getting a burnout. Everybody's, um, you know, overworked, um, depression. Um, it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. Um, you know, if, if, if that's the way that you deal with yourself, you're so disconnected from yourself. You don't know your purpose. You don't know where you're going. You don't know why you're working. Um, you're, the people at work also don't know that. But we're just going to power through it because we got to continue working hard because, you know, um, you know, at the end of the month, you know, you, you got to get this amount of money because those metrics matter. That's such a powerful way to conclude and reflect because like, you're right. Cause behaviorally, how many of us, at least in the States, drink, do drugs, replace a partner with another partner, replace a job with another job, et cetera, et cetera keep running and running and running because we never actually took the time to make amends with our past, make, correct our own past mistakes. And, you know, on an economic level, that's exactly what's happening with, with business. I think credit's the perfect example of that. You know, the way credit works is, you know, as long as you keep building debt, you don't have to deal with the reality of your broken balance and then things fold and explode. And the same thing is true of our emotions. And I, and I really like that you shared that, like you have to confront your own shadow. You have to confront your own problems because if you don't, then things are going to explode. So like to the capitalist, to the, to the employer, to your stakeholders, you have to recognize what you're doing to other people. Otherwise it's gonna, it's gonna, swallow you whole and, and destroy yeah. you. Yeah, and what we do to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, and what, what, we do to ourselves. what we do to ourselves is we I mean we've internalized often and the conditioning of the systems that we live in. Um it's it's about success. What is success? Money. What is success? Fame. What is success? Power. And 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 there's a 
and I always like to say this because it connects also to this idea of white supremacy. So white supremacy, when you dehumanize another, you dehumanize yourself. Mm. And when you dehumanize yourself, you also dehumanize others. If within me, I do not see that other person as human, um, my ability to connect with others is inhibited. And and slowly but more surely, I become less and less connected with myself. So I become I, I I become able to do so many different things that I wouldn't have been able to do before. So many evil things, and, and, and it connects also to this idea of you know evil, right? Like right, right? how can evil even exist within this world if um if we're all connected to ourselves and we're connected to our humanity we would not be able to think of harming somebody else and dehumanizing them. But because we're all disconnected or because we all choose to numb ourselves um, towards the pain of the other, and, and I mean the U.S., the Netherlands, Europe, um, we all do it. You know, when there's another shooting, a mass shooting, we're like, oh, well, um, it's crazy. When there's um, um, refugees drowning in the sea, oh, well, um, when, when some people across the street they're homeless, you know, they, they ask you for money. You're like, no, go away. You know, that, that is, that is being dehumanizing. We're dehumanizing others. And obviously there's a larger conversation to be had about homelessness and how it happens. But as a society, we've chosen that those things are okay. We've chosen that suffering for a group of people living in the global South is okay. As long as we're comfortable and COVID-19 is the chickens coming home to roost. It is because because if I've this is what we've been sowing for ages, and I would even say that that the last hundred years has definitely been um, the it's definitely been the consequences of global policy of global domineering and and colonialism and imperialism, even something like the Holocaust, because the Holocaust isn't new, right? Like it's the same mindset that was implemented on indigenous people. It was the same mindset that was implemented on um, um, enslaved Africans. Um, and, and, and that same mindset came home and was implemented within their midst, which is what I say. When you dehumanize others, you dehumanize yourself because within their own community, they dehumanize themselves. And COVID, we dehumanize or, or even we, we remove dignity even from animals, right? Like where, where we're all pushing them all together in like little small little um, enclosed places. And, and we're like, oh, it'll, it'll be fine. You know, we'll just wash it all away with some bleach. And we do that so long. And then suddenly crazy viruses like COVID are born. And it's going to continue happening until we, we come to reckon with the fact that what we see is the fruits of our own labor. This has definitely been a good episode of Dreams Not Memes. I've got nothing to say. Uh, <laughs> and I just say that you should continue to really reflect on your own perspective and role in this world. And if you have anything to make amends for, make those amends. And to the stakeholders that run a business or own a business, make sure that your mission aligns with the values of what you're really doing and you're not doing things for the sake of meaningless gain. So thank you so much for your time. Hi, this is Brian from A Day Without Love. Thank you for listening to Dreams Not Memes. I just want you to remember, your dreams matter. 
you'd like to support this podcast, email at daywithoutlove at gmail.com for donation information, or follow me for weekly episodes. Thank you for listening and joining my journey. Have a good day.